Thanks for joining us online today. If you'd like to be a part of the conversation, we would love for you to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We hope that you enjoy the message. Hey, Next Level Church, this is Chris Hodges at Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama. And I just wanted to take a moment and say how proud we are of the work you all are doing there in the Fort Myers area. God is doing something great, and you guys are led so well by your pastors, Matt and Sarah. Hey, keep praying, keep serving, keep giving, and one day you'll look back, see a city that's been transformed by God, and be so glad that you did. Today, I'm going to bring a message via video taken from our Galatians series that I preached here at our church. I pray that it touches you in a great way. Let's go to the message. Today, today is the one that really, I believe, holds them all together. In fact, all six parts of this message, if you don't have this one, you can't really have any of them. And it's the idea of, and here's the big idea of the day, and that is relationship, that God never came to be your religion. He came to be in a, an authentic relationship with you. Well, that's, that was a new concept. That may not sound like anything brand new to you, but in those days in, in, in the Bible, I mean, God was distant. God was faceless. God was mad. God was, was a ball of fire or a pillar of smoke. Uh, he, he, he was, you know, he, he was just, if you, if you touched anything of his, you, you know, you were a grease spot. I mean, they didn't have any concept of relationship. And of course, Jesus came talking about our relationship with the Father. And then Paul picks that up and says, look, if you're really gonna have this authentic gospel, you've got to come to terms with, and here, here's, the, here's the theology, and that's the term sonship. Now, I wanna, wanted to find that one right off the bat because some of you ladies are thinking, well, that's just directed to the guys. No, 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 no. That, that means uh, a male and female. It's a spirit. In fact, Galatians defines it. Let me give you this verse before we get into chapter four. And that is that you are all sons. So you girls are sons. You ladies are sons. You guys are, you're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And ladies, if that bugs you, um, you know, we guys have to put, you know, we have the fact that we are the bride of Christ. So anyway, so we, we both have one. All right, so, all right. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, so, but, but I want to talk to you a little bit about this idea of relationship and sonship. And so let's pick it up right in chapter four and verse four and go to your message notes and take some notes with me today. All right. It says, but when the said time had fully come, God sent his son, Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. So the whole reason he came wasn't to establish a new brand of Christianity, the whole reason of Jesus wasn't to come and say, okay, I've got a new set of rules for you. No, no, no. Hey, let's make it different in this way. And that is, we're gonna adopt, we're gonna adopt our followers into this relationship. And then there's this term, sonship. Watch the next verse. Because you are all his sons, God sent the spirit of his son. I want you to focus on that phrase. In fact, this is the part of my job. See, like some of what I do, I can explain to you but there's most of what I need you to get you're gonna to have to experience. And that's the challenging part of what I do. So I can't sit here and just you know, appeal to your brain. 
you're gonna have to take some experiential steps into this thing called faith. And this is one of the experiences that has to happen, and that is you gotta experience the spirit of his son. So let me say it this way. So this sonship or relationship thing is not an idea. It's a spirit. You've got to receive it. You've got to have it, not in your mind, but look here, into your hearts. And when you have it, you start treating God diff differently. And this is the way the Bible, and this may not mean much to you, but this was massive, a massive concept in their day. You'll call him, you'll cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, Abba, Father was the most endearing term. So let me say it this way. So it was not formal. So a lot of people talk to God very formal. And, and the, you know, kind of King James God, I call it. You know, where you're, and, and, and you treat God as though he were distant. And so this is how, the best way he could explain it. Watch the next verse. So you are no longer, and this is the opposite of that, a slave. And when it says slave, it's saying slave in the sense not, not in probably in the sense that you understand slavery, but slave in the sense of, it's just hard. I really don't in a relationship, but I, but I, have, I still have this responsibility to, my, to this God, but I really don't like him that much. That's, that's kind of what that word means. But you're no longer a slave, but you're God's child. And since you're his child, God has made you also an heir. So one of the most important things that you can have as a believer is understand the difference between these two because Paul and the Bible thought it was important enough to distinguish between those two. For you understand the difference between a slavery kind of a relationship with God or a child of God, being a son or a daughter of God. So let me give you three distinguishing marks of those two. Jot them down if you're taking notes. And here's the first one, and that is that the slave has a master. That, that kind of defines what slavery is, doesn't it? That, that you have someone that you're responsible to that you're not in relationship to. So since you're not in relationship with them, here's, you would approach them kind of cowering down. And, you know, and, and some people, you kind of view your relationship with God that way. You kind of bow. You, you kind of feel like, oh, I don't know if he really wants me. And, and he's mad at me. And so let me do some form of, of penance before God. In fact, in fact, probably God wants to punish me a lot. You know, he just wants to punish me. In fact, I, I, I came in contact with a missionary who serves down in Mexico, and he was telling me how there was this Catholic church in the middle of this Mexican village where these people bought into this slavery and mastery kind of viewpoint of God, so much so that coming into the church about a mile out, they just get on their knees, and they come the rest of the way on their knees. Well, after you go just a couple hundred yards on your knees, your skin's going to come off of your knees, and they want that to happen so that your knees actually start to bleed at some point in that journey. And so the blood trail gets uh, you know, just larger and larger going into this church. So at the, at the doorway of this church, from every avenue, there's a blood trail of people who came into the building on their knees because they believe that that shows some kind of, you know, I need to have that kind of view of God and I need to come because he wants to punish me. And if I go ahead and punish myself, he'll receive me. How warped of an idea that people can have. And it's nothing further from the truth because God didn't want us, he didn't want it to be our master. God wants to be our father, a relationship. He wants, he wants to have us like coming into his lap, you know, jumping into his lap, playing on the floor. I had the best relationship with my kids. I have five kids and Men just have, you know, I, 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 I can be a stern disciplinarian and we had rules and that's part of fatherhood, but, but, but it was always well received because, man, we played so much and we had so much fun and God wants to be the same way. And I want you to see the same concept in this verse in Romans where it says, 
And notice again, it says it's a spirit that you receive, so it's not an idea. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear, which by the way, you can tell if your view of God is in the slave version, if you're afraid of God. So we don't have that fear again. Rather, we have the spirit that you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. So same concept that we read in Galatians is found in Romans. Watch the next verse. And by him we cry, and there it is again, Abba, Father. So if you wanted to modernize this phrase, put it into today's language, this would be the word daddy. Daddy. So the Bible comes along and says, look, in order for you to have this great relationship with God, you need to treat him like a father and not like a God. So he does want to be your God, but he wants to be your father God. That's why Jesus, when he taught us to pray, again, this was a new concept. He says, look, here's how I want you to pray. Our father who art in heaven. And everybody would have went, oh, like, you can't call him that. And isn't it true that what you call someone defer... It, it, it really determines the kind of relationship you have with them. So, so like some people, actually I was at the airport the other day and a guy walked up to me and said, hello, Reverend Hodges. <laughs> and I realized right off the bat, you don't go to our church, do you? I'm like, you know who I am. But, and he was real formal with me and hello, Reverend. And like, you know, which I've never really liked that term anyway, but hello, you know, Reverend Hodges. Like, and then the others here, others here at the church, if you're in the church, most people call me Pastor Chris. And, and then even some of the young people, they, it's a bit, bit more endearing, I think. They, come, they call me PC. Hey, what's up, PC? And they have one guy who called me P. Chris. I said, no, don't call me that. I don't like, oh, <laughs> I don't think I want P. Chris. I don't want P. anything. Exactly. I mean, anyway, I don't want that. And, uh, and, <laughs> And, and, and then, then I have, there are some, there are some in my life who don't even call me, you know, PC. They call me daddy. It's five of them. They're my kids. Some of them are right here on the front row. And they, yeah, they, and they, and they, and they love, they love me. And it's, it's an endearing term. The, the terms that you use determine the kind of relationship you have, you have with God. And I want you to just ponder that thought. Like, how do you think of God? What do you call him? You need to know that God doesn't want to be this faceless, distant God. He wants to be a father. Here's, here's another one. Just giving you some distinguishing characteristics of slave versus son. And that is that the slave, the slave is an employee. So you work for the corporation. So like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not an owner or anything, but I work for the corporation. So have you ever been to a restaurant and you can kind of tell that the people who are working at that restaurant don't own the restaurant? Because they're just really not motivated to turn the tables or to get more people seated. I was actually at a restaurant. I won't say which one. It was just a few weeks ago. It's, it's one of the newer, more popular ones in our city. And I was there, and there was a boatload of people in the waiting area and lots of tables available. And they just weren't in a hurry to seat anybody. And so the little hostess was just, you know, she was just like, well, hmm, hmm, let me see who's next. And, like, and just, and everybody are starving, people waiting, and they're kind of, people are getting irritated. And, and we could see, you could see the empty tables, you know. And, and she goes, mm hmm, I see, look, where's number 54? Anybody 54? Come on, I'll take you home back. You know, just that, not motivated at all. You know what I'm saying? And, but have you ever had the opposite of that? Have you ever been somewhere and you, you've, you've interacted with the owner and they treat the business differently because they own the business and they care for the customers a bit differently? You gotta understand, a lot of people see Christianity as like, yeah, I don't really wanna do all that, you know, like, all right, come over here, number 54, come over here, I'm gonna give you something. You know. God didn't want you as an employee. I always tell people, I don't work for God, I work with God. I'm on the team, baby. This is, I'm, I'm part of the family business because the son is an heir. 
Like, I'm, this is, he, he didn't say, hey, come work for me. God already had workers. They're called angels. He didn't need more of them. He wanted family. He said, like, like I, don't, I don't want you to work for me. I want you to come be an, an, I want you to be part of the inheritance of the family business. And so I treat it that way. I, I, I serve in the church and I do what I do, not because God commanded me to, to work for him. Man, I do it because I'm part of the family business. Man, this is, I, t- I take great ownership in, in, in this. And honestly, I think it's an important attitude to have as you serve God. One of the steps of our growth track, you guys know we have a growth track. Four steps we want you to take on four Sundays. We want everybody to do that. And the first step, right now our first step is this membership class. Where we kind of explain what our church is all about. And it's there we kind of share the vision of the journey we would take you on if this was your home church. And we explain a little bit about our doctrine. We talk a little bit about our, our government, like who do I answer to and how is money spent and how does the eldership work and things like that. And at the end, we have what's called a membership covenant. And it's there that I want to go from, okay, I've trained you in all these heady things that we do as a church. I want to now, I need your heart now. If you're going to join, I need your heart. And so I talk to them about what it looks like to be a member and how your heart kind of gets into it. And one of the things I say is, if I become your pastor today and this becomes your home church, then those aren't our chairs, those are your chairs. And those are your drums. And that's your hallway. These, these are your buildings. And so, so, and if it becomes yours, your attitude's different because now when you see a piece of paper in the parking lot, well, that's my paper because this is my house. And when you see a visitor looking around, you know, not knowing what, like, that's your visitor. So you go, is there something I can help you find? Because this is your house. And I'm convinced that people are better members of churches if they don't think they're just kind of accepted into a club that they really don't have a say-so in. No, 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 no. You're an heir. This is your stuff. This is your stuff. So, isn't it right? So the attitude that the, yeah, yes, I think it's an important concept. So here's what, here, Romans, Romans says it again, just like Galatians. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God. And I love this thought, co-heirs with Christ. So in God's mind, he sees you as an equal son of his, like Jesus, the son of God. Like, I want you to bring you into the family with your big brother, Jesus. You're a co-heir with my son, Jesus Christ, is what this verse says. Now, this third one that I wanna give you, this distinction, needs a set-up verse. Because last week we talked about grace, and grace is one of those concepts that you've got to embrace and receive, but it's very difficult for people to understand sometimes. In fact, I had somebody respond to me last week because I explained that grace, God just wants to give you this free gift. He's not asking you to do anything. If you're, if you're in sin, he just comes up and says, I do not condemn you. I'm going to lead you to a new life of sin, a new life, a new life without sin, and that I'm going to take you into my life and be your God. And, but you got to come into this relationship first and receive God's grace first before you can change. And this guy responded back, no, 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 you have to bring some change up on the table. You've got to come saying, and God, I'm ready to be a different person in that grace process. And I still maintain you can't because you can't, you can't change to get to God. You got to, the only way you can change is after you've gotten to God because God gives you the power to change. You just got to understand that, and it's the steps that are important. And of course, what he was defending was, yeah, but yours making it sound like nobody has to change, and that's not the case at all. It's just the order that's important, the motivation. So you have to get in love with God first, and that something happens in you. And I want to show this in a verse, that concept, and then I'm going to lead you to the third distinction. Here's the verse in Philippians. 
So here the Bible comes along and says, work hard. But notice that it doesn't say work hard to get saved. It says work hard to show the results of your salvation. So now that I'm saved, the miracle took place inside of me. Now I can, watch this, obeying God with deep reverence and fear for, love this, it's my dream for you, by the way, God is working in you. So whenever you meet God, you receive the grace of God, God touches you and changes you, he begins this work in you and watch what happens. He gives you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So he doesn't come along and say, please me, do what I said. No, 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 he works in you first and he gives you new desires and power to do it. Now this is important because if you've ever been in a place where they've said, change, stop, don't, <laughs> behave yourself, but they never led you to a relationship that gives you the power to do it, it's frustrating. And this is a big deal to me. Because I don't want to be a pastor that just screams in your, your head again saying, hey, be different, people. Stop it. You know, like, and they yell and preach at you and you feel worse than you did when you came in the room. No, I, you'll never hear that. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to come along and tell you how to live a godly life. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to lead you to God. And that relationship is going to change you. And then God's going to start working in you. And you're going to notice your desires change. And power to live a different life is going to happen on the inside of it. Are you seeing that, everybody? You got to see it. You got to see it. Very important. So that sets up this third distinction of the slaves versus sons. And that is a slave is driven by duty. So you have to do it. Everybody, read your Bible. All right. You're not praying long enough. Okay. And you better come to that serve day because that's what you're supposed to do as Christians. You got to serve people. So that's what most of us, this is what Christian life has felt like. Because you're just driven by duty. It's like, wow, okay, I'll do it. But that's not what sons do. Sons are driven by devotion. I just can't, I wish I could spend more time with you. Honestly, if you find this concept, you know what's different? You'll come to the end of your prayer time going, oh Lord, can't believe I don't have any more time to talk to you. I'll catch up with you later. I can't wait to talk to you again. Versus, thank God that hour's over or that 10 minutes is over or that, right? Probably the best um, story that describes these two, one story in Luke chapter 10 where Jesus and his disciples were on their way and he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to Jesus. So notice she's trying to serve Jesus. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? She's all mad about her way she's serving God. Tell her to help me. Tell her to help me. Don't, don't have, I don't want her to have it in her heart to help me. Tell her just to do it. And Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. And Mary chose the right one. I want you to underline or circle that word chosen. Because this is a decision you have to make of the kind of relationship that you're going to have with God. Is it going to be driven by duty like Martha had, or is it going to be driven by devotion like Mary had? Both were trying to please God, but doing it in vast different ways. And by the way, what Mary chose is, it's better. It's better. 
And I want that so terribly bad for every one of you. I, re I really want every one of you to have this relationship with God that is driven out of this, this devotion to him. And I'm not saying there aren't times that we are submissive and obedient. And I know there's a place for discipline. I teach all that stuff to you. I'm just saying that you, don't, you wanna make sure that you have the right spirit in your hearts. And when you do, when you do, it will change everything about this thing called Christianity. It really will. It's my deepest prayer for you. So what do we do? Let's, let's get back in Galatians and let's see where Paul takes us next. He says, formally, when you did not, and here's the answer. He like tucks it away, kind of hides it right here. Formally, it's like when you didn't have the right spirit, it's when you did not know God. And in those two words is the answer to the whole thing. So let me say it this way. So, so if you had the wrong spirit or if you're doing it the wrong way, it's because this is what's missing, the knowing of God. And that word know is not the word know like in your mind. It's the word like intimate know, like I know you intimately. When, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. Watch this. But now that you know God or rather are known by God, how is it that you're turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Of course, the answer is no, we don't. Lead us, lead us to this knowing, knowing. Now, if I were to lead you to this knowing, this is my, 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 my task next, to explain to you that there is a difference in two approaches in your relationship with God. Well, then if we need to know God, if we need to be close to him and have a relationship, How? And I'm going to give you some steps. I'm going to give you some things that I think are critical to you having a healthy relationship with God. And here's the first one, and that is how you see him. And that is you've got to see God as Father. It's your view. So if I said to you right now, hey, everybody, picture God. What does he look like? And I'll tell you this for a fact. Your view of God is determining your relationship with God. However you see him is how you'll treat him. And so it's very important that you have a correct view of God, that you see him really like he wants to be seen as a father. I was at a, one of our Highlands College chapels, and I was discipling some of the kids there. And, and I was teaching on prayer, and I was talking about how God, his first thing that Jesus taught us in prayer is to, is to come to this endearing term of God to, as a father. And, and I had, a, had a, gotten into a conversation with one of the students who said, I don't think I can call him that. In fact, I said, really, why not? And he says, I can call him master, and I can call him God, but I'm just uncomfortable with that term, father. And I said, why? And with tears coming down his face and an anger, I mean, like not sad tears, mad tears, he starts describing, I just can't get past what my father relationship on earth was like, and I just I had this distorted view, and it's just better for me just to see God a different way. And I said, young man, we, we, I'm so sorry that happened to you, but that, you have to be healed from that wound and that hurt because, because this is how God wants to be seen by you, and you'll never understand the best of God until you see him as a father. In fact, can I say something to you? probably 50% of you in this room and at other locations, and especially those of you men and women who are in the correctional facilities, it's probably at least 50% of you have had a bad relationship with your father that has, that has unknowingly polluted your relationship with God. And I can't change perhaps what happened in that father relationship, 
but I can lead you to a place where you forgive and get healed and start relating to God the way God wants to be related to, and that is he does not want to be your slave driver. He does not want to be your employer. He does not want you to do things because you have to. He wants to be your father. And you've got to see him the right way. And when that changes, everything changes. And to know that you have everything that the Father has for you, it belongs to you, it changes everything. In Matthew 7, the Bible says, which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give that, him a snake? And which everybody went, well, nobody would do that. If you then, though you're evil fathers, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will, and here it is again, Jesus talking, your father wants to give you good things. Your father wants to give good gifts to those who ask him. God wants to be in this deep father relationship. And by the way, can I just tell you something? Many people even see God as a withholder, not a blesser. I'm telling you, I don't know what your theology is, and I know there's a lot of junk out there in the whole prosperity stuff and all of that, but can I be very clear? God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you. Now, he didn't want to bless you. Here's, here's the balance for that. He doesn't want to bless you so you have a lot of stuff. He wants to bless you because he wants his kids to be a blessing to the world around us. I'm telling you, that's what God wants to do. I bless the fire out of my kids, but I don't want them to hoard it. I want my kids to go make a difference on this earth. And God wants to bless you. He is not a withholder. He is a blesser. And he wants to give you good things. And you've got to see your God the right way. Here's the second one. Not only how you see him, but now how you approach him. How do you approach him? You need to approach God through relationship, not rules. Relationship, not rules. When I first got saved, I... <laughs> They told me, you know, Jesus had this verse in the Garden of Gethsemane, could you not tarry with me one hour? And then I heard a message where basically, and I'm not sure this is what the guy said, this is what I heard, that if I was going to pray, it really wasn't going to count if it was 59 minutes. I needed to pray an hour. So I went in my prayer time and just started like praying. Well, I don't know about you, but I only got about 13 minutes worth of material, so I just started saying it over again, right? <laughs> and I just sit there and watch the clock. Can I tell you, that's rule following. There's no life there at all. God doesn't want you to approach him through, through um, rules. He wants you to approach him through this genuine relationship. Uh, in, our, in our household, we have rules that my kids follow. We have rules for, hey, you have to communicate to us when you're going somewhere. I don't care how old you are. I do it for your mama. You, we just don't disappear. We, we, we have the courtesy of letting everybody know where we are. And if you want my blessing on where you're going, I don't want you to ask me three minutes before you're going there. I want you to ask. We have the 24-hour rule. If you want to go somewhere or do something, would you please give me a little notice? Come on, parents. I just helped y'all out right there. Just give me a little notice. I'm going to say yes. Probably going to say yes better if you ask me the day before instead of pulling it on me last minute. We have rules. There's rules. And then for money, if you want money, there's rules. We have allowances and there's things we want you to do around the house. There's some rules. But you can approach me through relationships too if you want to. Not, uh, about a year ago, one of my boys came down in my the home office where I study and I'm just there working away and that's where I prepare messages and I'm just, I'm at it, man. I've got a little chair next to my desk and he came and just plopped down. So I knew he wanted something. I mean, I was born at night, but it wasn't last night. You know what I'm saying? So... <laughs> And so I'm working away. I'm like, okay, hang on one second. Let me finish this thought. Got it. Okay. Yeah, man, what's up? What, what, you, need? what you need? You know, come on, dads. What you need? What you need, my man? Because I got to get to get back to my message. What you, what you need? Nothing. Oh, you lying. Tell me what you need. Right? Because it ain't nothing. It's something. You're not just showing up here. No, dad, seriously. 
Nothing. What do you mean? I was just a little bored. I thought about you. And I, you want to go out and shoot some hoops? Or you want to go, you want to go hit some balls, Dad? I'd, let, I'd like to hang out with you a little bit. You don't want nothing? No, sir. I really don't. I just want to. Then name what you want. You can have it right now. Anything. <laughs> Come on. Isn't that right? Because he redefined the relationship. It, it, it's just what wouldn't I do for someone who wants to be in relationship with me? And when you understand that, I'm telling you, it'll change your, your walk with God. So you're not praying, you know, just to kind of get it done with and, okay, I did my morning time, check that off the list. I'm reading my Bible, oh my goodness, I, you know, I, I know I'm reading the one year Bible, I'm still in February, God help me. You know, like, no. <laughs> Look what Jesus said. Jesus says, you diligently study the scriptures because you think by your amount of scripture reading and your understanding of scripture and your depth of theology and your, all of that is how you find eternal life. And you miss the whole point of the Bible. These are the scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me and have life. You weren't supposed to read a lot of, Bi a lot of the Bible. You were supposed to find me in the Bible. You weren't supposed to pray an hour. You were supposed to find me in the prayer time. You were supposed to make it relationship, not rules. And I'm telling you guys, when you understand this, it changes everything about your Christianity. Here, here's the last one. And that is, you got to see him the right way, you got to approach him the right way, and now you can give God the whole heart, everything. I've been in ministry, this is my 32nd year of ministry, and I've loved every second of it. I really have. And the first 11 of those, thank you, I mean, I'm having a ball. Somebody came up to me last week and said, man, man, I just appreciate what you do, PC, man, you, you work so hard. I'm like, I'm, I'm like at Disneyland. I'm having the time of my life. I love what I do. I love what I do. It's just, it doesn't even feel like work to me, to be honest with you. I love what I do. But when I was a youth pastor for the first 11 years, um, I, I wanted to get this concept into our kids. And so, you know, when you're doing youth groups, you come up with mottos and you come up with scriptures. And we had a theme scripture, and it's this one in Jeremiah 29. And it's simply this. And I want to give this to you. You're my big youth group today, church, okay? You, you're, here, here it is. You'll seek me. God says, and you'll find me when, when what? Only one way, when you seek me with all your heart. So you know what that verse is saying? If you seek God 90%, you're not going to find him. Like he's an all in God. And could it be that the relationship that you currently have with him isn't what you had hoped it would be because you haven't gone all in? He says, and when you go all in, I will be found by you, says the Lord. So we had a little statement in my youth group back in those days. I used to say that Christianity was for radicals only. It was for those who wanted to go all in with God, who wanted to just be radically everything in love with God. And it really literally changed the generation of young people, many of whom, last time I checked, over 100 of them that are, that are serving in ministry somewhere around the world, but only because of one concept, because they redefined through a relationship with God. Now, I don't think it's any mistake. I think it's just God's divine order. I wish I could say I planned it. I didn't. That this message falls on Mother's Day. I think it's beautiful. When I realized it, I thought that it couldn't be more perfect. Because I don't care what your relationship with your mom is like or was like, if she's gone on to be with the Lord. It's nothing like a mom. I don't know what it is about mom. Even if you're mad at her right now, it's because you love her so much that you're so mad. 
You wouldn't, like you don't get that mad at anybody else. It's because they're, they're in your heart. They're, I don't care, they're in your heart. You can't even get away from it how much they're in your heart. And because of that, everything, all things mama matter. And that's why, even though your daddy taught you how to throw that ball and catch that ball, you're going to get on, you athletes going to get on screen and say, hi, mom. Like, I never understood that. I taught you how to catch that ball. Anyway. <laughs> and like, you can talk about your mama, but you don't talk about my mama. And if somebody wants to insult you, they go, well, your mama? Like, what? Take you out right here. Right? What, what, what is that? It's very simple, but it's a powerful truth. She's in your heart. My mom is in my heart. My mom is in my heart. She was in the service earlier, and I gave her a shout out in the service, and I just love her, man. I just love her. My dad went to be with the Lord five years ago, and she's a widow that we as a church are trying to care for, just like we want to with all the widows of our church. And, and me and my brother and my sister, we, we, we tend to her needs. And mom lets us know what she's doing, where she's going. And she lives alone just about a mile from this campus. And we, we, we look after her. We take care of her. And my mom comes every Saturday to Saturday morning prayer. But a few months ago, she wasn't there. And if she's not coming, she, she texts me. I'm, I can't come. I'm not feeling well or whatever. She didn't text me. So afterward, prayer, I went right over to her house and knocked on the door. She didn't answer so I called her, and she didn't answer. And my mom lets us know like where she's going, and because we want to, we want our job is to take care of her. She, so I like well, maybe she's in her purse or something. So I'll keep trying. Nothing. This has never happened ever. Well, I called my brother. So you need to get over here. I think mom's in the house hurt, or maybe she's passed away. I don't know. I'm freaking out, and I'm ready to tear windows out of her house. I'm ready. I'm gonna get in there. We call the alarm company. Alarm's not not set so she's in there because she she sets it when she leaves and we're freaking out we call the neighbors we got a we got a bunch of people out there we were just about to bust the door down or window out and my phone rings and it's mama she's at the store <laughs> and i said mama i love you but i'm about to fuss at you right now you gotta let us know I know. Where were you this morning? Oh, I forgot to text you. I wasn't going to be able to come to prayer. Well, Mama, do you, do you know how much, like, you added five years to my life in the last 30 minutes? Why? Because she's in my heart. I'm going to take care of that lady. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? Because when you have someone in your heart, everything about what you do with them changes. So if I were to put this entire message in a sentence, jot it down this way, and that is, relationship changes everything. And so I don't need you being in a religion, and I don't need you just being a member of this church. I need you to be in relationship with a God who can change everything about you and me. Amen, everybody? I want you to bow in prayer right there where you are. Just be very still. Can I just ask at every location, no moving around, and I know you probably have Mother's Day lunches planned, and, but this is an important part of the service. This is a part where people are making decisions. We've worshiped, we've heard the word, but now we've got to act on it in our hearts. And so, Father, I pray. I'm praying Philippians 2 over every person at Church of the Highlands today. I pray, God, that you would work in them. Never let them serve you out of duty, 
I, I, I never let it be as an employee or as a slave. God, I pray that you put inside of them a new desire, that their love relationship with you is so sweet. God, you work in them the power to do what's written in your word. God, today we don't want a religion. We want to be in relationship with you. We want to live in a relationship with you. So God, heal hearts. Draw people close to you, I pray. In Jesus' name, every head bowed, every eye closed in this room. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I just, I feel so distant from God. God seems a million miles away. I even have a little fear in my heart of him. I'm afraid I'm going to get in trouble. And, and today I want to I get out of that and into sonship, a relationship with God. And today I want to surrender my life completely to him. And I want to be in relationship with God. This is salvation, everybody. And maybe you've made a decision before and you need to come back to God. Can I pray for you right there where you're seated? Every location. If that's you today, our campus pastors are going to come to the stage. And you say, Pastor, include me in that prayer where I come close to God. I'm ready to be in that kind of relationship. At every location, just put your hand up as high as you can and say, count me in that prayer. Just look, that's good. I just see probably a hundred hands in this room. God bless you today. God bless you today. Awesome, 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 awesome. Slip your hands down. And pray a prayer in your heart right there where you are, something like this. You can make up your own words. I'll help you, though. You say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. And God, thank you for sending Jesus. And today I realize how much you want to be with me. And you want me in your family. So forgive me of my sin and cleanse me. And I ask you to come live inside of me and change my desire, desires and give me the power to live for you. Today I surrender my life. I make you my Lord. And with all of my heart, I'm going to live for you. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. If your life has been impacted through this ministry, we would love to hear your story. Send us an email to mystory@nextlevelchurch.com. We're always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. Also, if you want to support what God is doing here, you can do so through our website, nextlevelchurch.com. Your generosity is making an impact here and around the world. Thank you so much for joining us online and have a great week.